Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you are here. Again, if you're a guest of ours, you are our honored guest. We're especially glad that you chose to worship with us today. We are continuing a sermon series that we began a few weeks ago on family. And to, uh, to get us where we're headed this morning, I want to share with you the difference between the way children talk to moms and dads. Now, if you're a parent, you know that kids will talk to a mother differently than they'll talk to their father and vice versa. So, so let me share a couple of examples with you. This is first how children talk to their moms, the questions they ask, things they say. If you're a mom, this might sound familiar. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I'm hot. Could I? I want to watch. Where are you? Would you help me? He punched me. She scratched me. I want to go here. When are we? Why are we? How are we? Why can't I? Those are things that children normally say to their mothers. Here's things that children normally say to their fathers. Where's mom? <laughs> and that's about it, right? <laughs> At least if your family was anything like my family, that's pretty accurate. Well, I've got good news this morning. We're talking about family, but we are not talking about marriage. So all of us who are married, you know, kind of breathe a little bit of sigh of relief and won't leave here feeling quite as guilty as maybe we have the last few weeks. However, we're talking about parenthood. So all of us who are parents might leave here feeling a little bit guilty this morning, but I hope not. And that's certainly not my intention. In fact, just the opposite, really. I hope that we leave here encouraged, excited about the opportunity that God's put in front of us and, and excited about the journey that we find ourselves on in this thing we call family, raising children. And I do want to say this as we start, in all seriousness. I understand that talking about this subject is very difficult for a lot of people. You know, in a group this size, I know that there are men and women, there, there are husbands and wives who would love nothing more than to have the opportunity to raise children and for whatever reasons that's not the reality of the life you're living. And I understand that just having a conversation about this can be very, very difficult and I'm very sensitive to that. I also want to say it's a difficult lesson for me to, to preach because you know me and some of you have known me for a long time and some of you have watched me raise my children. Martha and I have three kids that we're very proud of, but as I look back, boy, we made a lot of mistakes. There's so many things I wish I would have done differently. And so I, I certainly am no expert on parenting, and in a lot of ways the jury's still out on what kind of parents we were to our children. But just like dating and just like marriage, we've got to talk about it. I mean, if we're talking about family, and we've got to talk about parenthood as well, and we've got to look at God for instructions for raising our kids. You know, last week during the Bible class time, uh, our children's ministry shared some really exciting things that are on the horizon for that ministry. Now, yesterday, a bunch of people met and shared some dreams and visions and got things started, and, and I'm so excited about where this church is headed with our children's ministry. It's been, it's been great. It's going to be awesome. And, of course, Robbie and Joanne do such a great job with the, with the youth ministry. They work so hard during the week, and 
But still, you know, we've got to have an individual plan, right? I mean, we have to have a family plan. It takes work to be a, a parent. The task that we've been given is too big. The, the stakes are too high. Not to pay close attention to what we're doing, how we're living, what we're teaching our children. And here's one of the great ironies about being a parent. For the amount of work that it takes to be a parent, and for, for how important the job is at being a parent, you have to go through more training to get a driver's license than you do to be a parent. Did you ever think about that? In the state of Florida, it's easier to get a driver's, or it's harder to get a driver's license than it is to become a parent. The state of Florida won't let you drive a car unless first you study a whole bunch of information. And then you have to take a written test to prove that you know the information that you've just studied. Not only do you have to prove that you intellectually know it, you have to take a skills test, right? You've got to get behind the wheel of a car. I guess you still do. And you have to prove that you can take what you intellectually know and apply it in you know, real life situations. You don't have to do any of that to be a parent. You don't have to prove that you know enough, that you're smart enough, that you're capable. You don't have to show that you, you're, you're competent. You don't have to do any of those things. It's easier to get a driver's license, or harder to get a driver's license, than it is to, to be a parent. And so a lot of people will tell you, you know, even though our society doesn't really prepare us for parenthood, a lot of people will tell you, I'm not so sure God's Word does either. Now, I'm not so sure that God's Word can really be trusted because so much of it seems so outdated. It was written so long ago and things are so much different. I'm not, I'm not sure it's really practicable or applicable you know, in today's world. And I'll give you a perfect example of this argument. One of the most famous parenting verses in all of Scripture, Psalms, or Proverbs 22, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. We know that verse, we love that verse, I love that verse, and yet I know and you know lots of amazing moms and lots of uh, amazing dads who were amazing parents and are amazing parents. Moms and dads who did train up their child in the way they should go, but that child did depart from it. That, that young man did depart. That, that young woman did depart from it. They didn't take the godly advice and the teachings that their, their parents shared with them. So people kind of start concluding that the Bible can't really be trusted. That maybe, maybe Scripture was beneficial, you know, back in the day when times were different and things were simpler. But here in the 21st century, the culture that we live in, it's, it's just not going to work the same way. Or... People sort of conclude, what does it really matter? I mean, kids seem to just turn out how they turn out anyway. You know, you just kind of cross your fingers, close your eyes, and hope for the best. But that can't be God's design either. And it certainly isn't. What we do as parents matters a great deal. And God's Word does speak very directly, and very plainly about being parents and raising children. And the advice and the instruction, the commands that God gave are just as encouraging, just as powerful, just as applicable today 
2016 as they were when God first spoke them. So we're going to look at God's Word for some advice on parenting. And as we've gone through this family series, especially when we were in the marriage part of it, I don't know if you've noticed, but, but I sort of stayed away from all the classic scriptures on marriage. And that wasn't by design. It's kind of turned out that way. But this morning, as we talk about parenting a little bit, we are going to go to the classic passage on parenting. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You can go ahead and be open up your Bibles there. Deuteronomy 6, in the Old Testament, this passage is known as the Shema. The Jews would have recited this at least twice a day. It was kind of the Pledge of Allegiance uh, for the Jews in the Old Testament. In fact, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he quoted this passage. So if this is Jesus' favorite verse in the Old Testament, maybe we should pay attention to it as well. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to pick it up in uh, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Those three words there are important. Heart, soul, strength. And I don't have to tell you what Moses, or we think it's Moses, what the writer here is trying to convey. We've got to love God with every fiber of our being. It's not just about knowing some things about God. It's not just about some intellectual knowledge. Our relationship with God should define who we are. It's not just what we know. It's who we are and who we know, that relationship. We've got to love God with every part of our being. And then verse 6 says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Very famous passage. This morning I want to take a look at this famous passage. I want to ask you two questions. I'll make a couple observations and some assumptions along the way. But I want to ask you two questions as we consider, is this instruction still applicable today, written 3,500 years ago, is it still something that we can look at and benefit as parents today? Because I think the questions that I'm about to ask are central to, to parenthood. And the first one that I want to ask has to do with what we read first uh, in verses 5 and 6. Let me go back to it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Now, I want you to pay attention to something that the writer is doing here. There's a specific order to what the writer is saying. In verse 7, he's going to say, impress these commandments upon your children. But before he gets to verse 7, before he tells us, impress these commandments about, on your children, and be sure and teach your children these things, before he goes down that road, he says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And again, at the risk of sounding really simplistic, I think maybe this is the single most important component that we can incorporate into our lives as far as being parents. Having a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. Now how can we impress upon our children things that that they know aren't really impressed upon our hearts. Which again, 
leads me to believe that Jesus would have been a very frustrating counselor in the 21st century. Remember I told you that a couple weeks ago that if Jesus was a marriage counselor today, he'd be frustrating. I think he'd be even more frustrating as a family counselor. I mean, you and your wife, you're having some trouble with your children, so you go to see Jesus for some, for some child-rearing advice, for some counseling. You're waiting there in his office. You're waiting for him to come in so you can kind of share all these struggles that you're having and, and all these problems that you're having about raising your children. And Jesus walks in and introduces himself. And, you know, what can I help you with? And, and maybe you have a one-year-old child who's not sleeping at night, which means nobody's sleeping at night and everybody's grumpy and everybody's fighting or... Maybe you have a five-year-old who's always fighting with her little sister. Maybe you have a 14-year-old who snuck out of the house last weekend. A 17-year-old who's maybe making some really bad moral decisions. A 25-year-old who's turned their back on you, Jesus. Or a 35-year-old, and you haven't spoken to that child in, in months, maybe years. So you lay out your big parenting problems to Jesus. We need help. We need some advice. Things are a mess. What do we do? Jesus, you're the expert. What do we do? And Jesus kind of smiles and looks at you for a minute and says, well, what words of mine have you been thinking about lately? And we're like, what? No, seriously, what words of mine have you been thinking about? What, what have you been meditating on? What scripture have you been studying? What passages have you been kind of going over? No, no, wait, Jesus, you, you, you don't understand. We're not here for a Bible reading plan. And we're not here to argue or find out information about the nuances of some scripture. We've got a problem with our child. We need some help. We need some advice. And Jesus just sits and smiles and nods his head. You know, like counselors do. You know, kind of drive you crazy. Kind of waiting for that light bulb to come on in your mind. Kind of waiting for you to realize, oh. Oh, you mean maybe that's part of the problem. And maybe that's part of the solution. Because Jesus knows that God-centered parenting can only come from God-centered parents. And Jesus knows if he's not the center of your heart, the chances are pretty slim that he's going to be the center of your child's heart. Again, your kids are smart, and I don't care if they're 3 or 30, they're smart. And they know what's important to mom and dad. And if Jesus isn't the center of your heart, it's really difficult to make him the center of your children's heart if they're not seeing that in your life. You know, we listen to all kinds of people from, for child-rearing advice. There's nothing wrong with that. We read books. I've got books. We listen to experts on television or the radio. We, we join Facebook groups. We talk to friends, people who are doing it or people who have done it. We're looking for advice. Again, nothing wrong with that. But if we do those things to the expense of prayer, meditation, and, and Bible study, spending time in God's Word, impressing those things on our heart, not much of a chance that we're going to be raising spiritual champions. So the first question that you've got to answer, talking about parenting, how's your relationship with God? And again, I ask that question, it sounds so basic. 
almost trite. You know, it almost is a cliche. How's your relationship with God? But I think it's a question that we have to consider. How's your relationship with God? Remember, Jesus said, it's the most important thing. Love the Lord your God by your heart, soul, and strength. That, that's the most important thing. So how's your relationship with God? And you ask that question to most people, and they don't even know how to answer it. How's your relationship with God? Well, that's a weird question. Um, I don't know. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery, so I, I guess I'm okay with God. I guess. I don't know. I've been going to church quite a bit. Even went on a Wednesday night not long ago. So I, I guess I'm okay with God. I guess our relationship's okay. I don't know. They don't know how to answer the question. But if I were to ask you, how's your relationship with your spouse? Or with your boss? Or with your best friend? You could answer that question, couldn't you? You could use concrete language and tell me about your relationship with your best friend. You could talk about things that you've done together, places you've been, or conversations that you've had, experiences that you've shared. We understand that question. Sometimes when we're talking about our relationship with God, we, we immediately feel guilty. How's your relationship with God? I know. I'm sorry. I haven't been praying enough. I haven't been reading my Bible enough. So we don't even ask the question. But let me put it another way. Maybe this is a better way to ask it. What have you and God been up to lately? What have you and God been up to lately? Because you really need to be able to answer that question if you want to be the kind of parents that God's called us to be. Now, with that in mind, let's look back at verse 7. Impress them, God's commandments. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Again, Moses is being really specific here. He's talking about four different places, four different times that we have opportunities to talk to our children about uh, spiritual things. Maybe this will be helpful. You know, we're, we're told to talk about God's commandments with our children. When you sit at home, maybe we could think of that as, as downtime. You know, we're just at home, just kind of at the house, just hanging out together. We've got to be in the habit of talking about Bible things when it's not Bible time, if I can say that. Just as we're going about life, downtime. When you walk along the road, maybe we could call that car time. Car time is such a great time to talk to your kids. I know now we've got the pull-down videos and you, know, you hand them the iPad and all those things, but think about it. They're strapped into a seat. They can't move. They can't get things unless you give it to them. What a wonderful time to talk to your children. And what a wonderful time to talk about spiritual things. In fact, in a few minutes, you're going to be in a car with your children. They're going to be strapped in. What you talk about in Bible class today? What did what, your teacher tell you? Now, what, what do you think about that? Or if they're a little bit older, you know, how'd you like the sermon? Do you remember anything about the sermon? 
You know, car time is such a great time to talk to our kids. When you lie down, maybe we call that bedtime. And let me say this, bedtime is prime time. Bedtime is just prime time when it comes to having conversations with your kids. And I know I've been there, I've done that. I know at the end of the day you're so frazzled and stressed and all you want to do is get the light out and them in bed, stay in bed, don't get out, I'm leaving. You know, give me a book, give me a hot bath, give me you know, just some quiet time. I get it, but I guarantee you're going to look back, younger parents, at those bedtimes as such special times. Putting your children to bed. You'll remember that so fondly. And such a great time for, for prayers, for conversations about the day, for Bible stories. My granddaughter's four years old. Part of her bedtime routine is to uh, read a Bible story. Maggie's got an app on her phone. Really interactive, really clever. Uh, about five minutes per story. And Grayson loves to read a Bible story. So, of course, when they're at our house, Martha and I want to put Grayson to bed. Now, we want to be the ones to be able to do that because it really is a fun time. So we're putting her to bed the last time that they were visiting, and we were getting ready to read her a Bible story. We had, you know, my daughter's phone, and she's crawling into bed, and she says, Timbo, Big Mama. She calls me Timbo. She calls Martha Big Mama. You can call me Timbo. You cannot call Martha Big Mama. <laughs> Just warning you. Grayson can. Then anyhow, she said, Timbo, Big Mama, ask me a really hard Bible question. So Martha says, hmm, okay, who was the strongest man that ever lived? And Grayson said, Big Mama, I said a hard one. So I'm like, okay, smarty pants. You know Timbo's a preacher. Um, what story was King Darius in? And she said, Daniel in the lion's den. Well, what story was King Xerxes in? And she said, Esther, the beauty queen who saved her people. <laughs> She's four years old. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you knew the answer to both of those questions. <laughs> By the way, I, that's the app that Maggie uses. It, it's the Bible app for kids. You, young, you younger parents, I'm sure, know all about it. Uh, it's by Life Church. It is so clever. And so interactive. They look for Bible gems and there's questions and, and they're just little sponges. I know it takes up quite a bit of space. You might want to put it on your tablet instead of your phone. But, but they just love that at that age especially. Such a special time. Bedtime. And then when you get up. And maybe we could call that meal time if we lump breakfast and lunch and dinner all together. Again, mealtime is such a special time for families. Now turn off the television. Sit at the table. Put your phone down. Spend time with your children talking about spiritual things. A couple observations. First, Moses is telling the people here, it's our job as parents to impress these things on our children. It's our job as a mom, as a dad. It's our job 
impress these things on our children. Yeah, the church is going to do everything the church can do. Again, the children's ministry is going to do everything that they can do, and so many volunteers and people working so hard in that. The youth ministry is going to do everything that they can do, so many people volunteering and working so hard to do that. But it's up to us as moms and dads to impress these things on our children. It's up to us to take our Sunday morning faith and, and transfer that into our Monday through Saturday life. It's our job to show our kids and to teach our kids that Jesus isn't just the king of our Sunday mornings. He's the king of our living room, and he's the king of our hobby, and he's the, the king of our downtime, and he's the king of our car time, our bedtime, and our meal time, the king of our conversations. He's the king of our lives. Now, the second observation that Moses makes, kind of an assumption in this passage, and the assumption is that you're going to spend time with your kids when you are at home. When you're on the road, you've got to spend time with your kids. The old adage that love is spelled T-I-M-E really is accurate. You know, I know there's a lot of conversations about, well, I don't have a lot of quantity time, so I'm going to spend quality time, and I know that situations arise and everything's different, but, but can it be both? And can it be quantity and quality? Because parenthood takes work. And we've got to consistently be willing to put in the hard work at raising children. Which leads me to my last question. I asked you how your relationship was with God. How's your relationship with your child? Because you can't have conversations. You can't really impress on your child you know, during all those times if you're not together. And there's been a ton of research done on this. And even if there wasn't a ton of research, you would know just by your own knowledge and your own uh, being able to watch what goes on, your own um, experience, you'd be able to understand that when a child feels close connection to a parent, they're much more apt to imitate that parent. When there's a close connection to the parent, I want to grow up and be like dad. I want to grow up and be like mom. I want to grow up and marry somebody like dad. I want to grow up and marry somebody like mom. You know, if I asked you this morning, how's your relationship with your child, how would you answer that? Whether your child is 3 or 13 or 33 or 53, it's never too late to work on our relationship with our children. And I'll close by saying this. I know, I know, every single parent in this room desperately wants their children to fall in love with Jesus. I know that. I know that's your heart's desire. It's certainly my heart's desire. Above everything else that I want for my children, I want my kids to fall in love with Jesus. But I also know that I can't make spiritual decisions for anybody else. And you can't make spiritual decisions for anybody else. I wish we could, but we can't. I can't make spiritual decisions for anyone else, including three people named Maggie, Will, and Nate. Again, I wish I could, but I can't. You can't make spiritual decisions for your children. But here's two things that you can do. You can pursue the heart of God. And you can pursue the heart of your child. And when you do those two things, is that going to guarantee that your child is going to love God with all the heart, soul, and strength? No, it doesn't. There are no guarantees. But what it does do is to equip our children, to teach our children, 
and give our children every opportunity to know Jesus. And I'll say this, it's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. Until your children physically leave this world, their story is yet to be finished. And you might not live long enough to see how their story finally ends. But those seeds of truth that you'd planted maybe long, long ago sometimes germinate the strangest times and in the most amazing ways. So as parents, we never stop praying. We never stop encouraging. We never stop loving our kids. And again, all of us who have lived long enough and been at it long enough to look back and say, wow, did I mess up? Wow, I wish I'd have done things differently. Boy, I really made some mistakes. Just know there's only one perfect parent. Only our Heavenly Father is the perfect parent. And God still rejoices with His children who are walking in the light. And He still pursues His children who are walking in darkness. So we're going to continue to pursue the heart of God. As parents, we're going to pursue the heart of God. And as parents, we're going to pursue the heart of our children. And we're going to trust God, the perfect Heavenly Father, to never give up on any of us. This morning, Neil's got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. As always, if there's something on your heart that you'd like the prayers, the family here, it's going to be some people here down at the front. If anything that we can do for you as a body, come and let us know. Let's stand and sing.